Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, the man who calls it right down the middle, Dion Tyree Gordon. Enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. Let's talk baseball, America's pastime, emphasis on the word past, because as each day passes, baseball falls more and more into obscurity. Baseball is a game already on the precipice of irrelevance. This will be the 82nd episode of the world-renowned Dion Gordon podcast. And on all of the previous 81 episodes, I have yet to discuss baseball in any capacity. Baseball has never been a subject of conversation on the Dion Gordon podcast. Football has been a subject of conversation plenty of times, in particular, my beloved San Francisco 49ers. The last podcast I did was about basketball. I've done several basketball podcast. I gave my take on the NBA Top 75 list. I've talked about Dave Chappelle's comedy specials. I've talked about I've talked about Amazon's bullshit work practices. I've talked about the miserable failure that is Joe Biden, aka President Corn Pop. I've talked about wrestling on this podcast, AEW, WWE. I've talked about versus hip hop battles, dipset versus the locks. I eulogized DMX. I did a podcast talking about women who don't like men who play video games. I've talked about a lot of different things on this podcast, but I've yet to discuss baseball. And it's not because I don't like baseball. Baseball was my first love as a sports fan. Baseball was my first favorite sport before basketball, before football. I was a baseball fan. Growing up in the 90s, I loved baseball. Being born and raised in Frederick, Maryland, naturally, I was a Boston Red Sox fan. (laughs) I already know that's going to piss a lot of people off, man. People are going to say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What the fuck? You're a 49ers fan. You're a Lakers fan. And you're also a Red Sox fan. You're from and you're from Maryland. How the fuck does that work? You like a team from San Francisco, a team from Los Angeles and a team from Boston. That doesn't make any. And you're from Maryland. That doesn't make any fucking sense. How does that happen? It happens, number one, because I'm a weird dude. I'll be the first one to admit that. It happens, number two, because one of my favorite baseball players growing up was first baseman for the Boston Red Sox in the mid-'90s, number number 42, Mo Vaughn, one of my favorite players of all time, left-handed power hitter, big-time slugger, could put the ball over Pesky's pole, over the green monster, clocking like 40, 45, 50 home runs a year. Mo Vaughn in the mid-90s was a fucking monster and one of my favorite baseball players growing up. And that's how I became a Red Sox fan, because of big Mo Vaughn. And then later on, they bring in Pedro Martinez, who was my favorite baseball player of all time. Pedro Martinez is, was, and forever will be my guy. The shortest, smallest man on the field, yet the baddest motherfucker on the field. Striking people out, staring people down, talking shit assaulting senior citizens, rest in peace, Don Zimmer. Pedro Martinez was always my guy, man. Like I said, is, was, and forever will be my favorite baseball player of all time. So you got Mo Vaughn, who started me on being a Red Sox fan, and then Pedro Martinez came in and took it to a whole different level. And then you add in Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and Jason Veritek, Nomar Garciaperra. See, when you say that, you got to put the Boston accent in there when you say it. It's not Nomar Garcia Power. It's Nomar Garcia Power. You got to say it just like that. Pot the cod, have it yard. 
Nomai was my guy at shortstop, man. Like, you go back to the late 90s, you had this crop of, like, really great, talented shortstops who were, like, the future of the game at that point. Derek Jeter in New York, Nomar Garcia Power in Boston, Alice Rodriguez at that point in Seattle, Miguel Tejada, all these guys who were like almost ahead of their time, they were big shortstops. They were like 6'3", 6'4", power hitters, sluggers. Well, not so much in the case of Jeter, but in the case of, of A-Rod a- a- and Tejada, these guys could put the ball over the fence. Uh, they were cut from the same cloth as Kyle Ripken, another one of my favorite players growing up, a guy who I saw play every day growing up in Maryland watching the Baltimore Orioles on HTS Home Team Sports Channel 35. If you're a real old school Orioles fan, you should know what I'm talking about when I say that. HTS Channel 35. The Baltimore Orioles growing up, Cal Ripken, Chris Hoyles, BJ Serhoff, Rafael Palmero, Mike Devereaux playing center field. That was another one of my guys growing up. Mike Devereaux, center fielder for the Baltimore Orioles. Brady Anderson, right fielder. For the Baltimore Orioles growing up, Brady Anderson came out of nowhere in 1995, hit like 55 home runs. Obviously, he was on steroids. Before that, his career high was like 11. But in 95, this guy showed up juiced out of his fucking mind and blasted 55 home runs. But that, that was a fun team uh, growing up, the Baltimore Orioles. But for whatever reason, I don't know, I became a Red Sox fan. I do my own thing in life. That's my MO. That's how I get down. I think one of the biggest reasons why I'm a fan of different teams from different parts of the country, no one ever sat me down and said, here, son, you're going to watch this team play. You're going to watch the Redskins play. You're going to watch the Orioles play. You're going to watch the Washington Bullets, later on known as the Washington Wizards. No one ever sat me down and taught me how to watch sports. It was an independent thing. I was on my own pretty much growing up as a sports fan. And that's why I just started following different teams from all over the country because I just – I latched on to different players that I liked, like Mo Vaughn, like Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Bill Miller at third base, Trot Nixon, Jason Veritek. You know, I latched on Kurt Schilling, uh, Derek Lowe, Tim Wakefield, you know, different guys. I latched on to different players. Mike Greenwell, Scott Hatterberg, Ellis Burks. I mean, just so many guys, and not just with the Red Sox, but – I mean, there were so many baseball. I can name so many baseball players from the 90s and 2000s. It's, it's insane. I can name almost every starting lineup for every team in Major League Baseball during that time period. Fast forward to right now, it will be a struggle. It will be difficult. I, I can't do it, honestly. I mean, I can still name a lot of guys who play for the Red Sox. You know, Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers, Nathan Evaldi, Nasty Nate Evaldi, uh, Chris Sale, J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, and that's pretty much it. So even for my favorite baseball team, I can't name the entire roster. The 2004 Boston Red Sox, I could tell you the entire team and what position they played. Veritek at catcher, Minkiewicz at first base, Pokey Reese at second, Orlando Cabrera at shortstop, who was traded for Nomad Garcia Power uh, and brought in midseason. Third base, Bill Miller, left field, Manny Ramirez, Center field, Johnny Damon, right field, Trot Nixon. I can give you all the starting pitchers, Pedro, Kurt Schilling, Derek Lowe, Tim Wakefield. I can give you some, most of the guys from the bullpen, Keith Folk, the closer, Alan Embry, Mike Timlin, you know, guys like that. Uh, Bronson Arroyo, another starting pitcher for the 2004 Boston Red Sox. I can give you almost the entire roster for the 04 team. 
and for the 2017 also won a World Series. With now you got Dustin Pedroia in there, JD Drew, and John, Jonathan Papelbon, who I still to this day cannot fucking stand because of what happened in 2011 when those low life Baltimore Orioles beat us in the last game of the season, and it was Papelbon who gave up the game and gave up the go-ahead score, the game-winning run, who cost the Red Sox that game and in turn cost the Red Sox the AL East and cost the Red Sox a playoff appearance. Jonathan Papelbon is a scumbag. Um, that, was a, that was a year the Red Sox had a nine-and-a-half game lead going into September and choked it away for the entire month. I mean, it's not all Papelbon's fault, but he's an easy scapegoat. But guys like him and Mike Lowell, I mean, I can go on and on. Brad Penny played for that team, I think. John Smoltz finished up his career for the Red Sox. The point is, I can name more guys who used to play for the Red Sox than guys who currently play for the Red Sox, and that is because I can name more guys who used to play baseball than guys who currently play baseball, and that speaks to the point I'm making, the overall point I'm making for this particular podcast is that baseball is in trouble, baseball is declining in popularity, and baseball needs to figure this shit out, and it doesn't help that you are now going through a lockout which is going to prevent baseball games from being played. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, you are on the precipice of irrelevance. You are on the brink of obscurity. You don't really matter as it is. Football and basketball have overtaken you. Football and basketball have recognizable name brand stars. In football, you had Tom Brady, who just recently retired, but still he's the biggest star in the sport. But you still have Aaron Rodgers, and now you have Joe Burrow, who's a a burgeoning superstar. Patrick Mahomes is a big-time star. Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Derrick Henry, someone who doesn't play quarterback, but he's still a big star. Derrick Henry matters in the NFL. He plays in Tennessee. He plays in a small market. Aaron Donald, a defensive superstar. You have stars in the NFL. You have people who, who are recognizable, people who... The average fan, the casual fan, they know who these guys are. In basketball, basketball's always sold the individual superstar more than the actual teams. That's why you have so many fans who follow particular players, individual players, more so than the actual teams. LeBron James is probably the biggest star in all of sports. Never mind the NBA, LeBron James is probably the biggest star in all of sports right now. Stephen Curry is a big star. Kevin Durant, James Harden. Those guys are big stars. They have big Twitter followings and big IG followings and everything else. Giannis Antetokounmpo, not so much because he's foreign. He's he's a Greek player. He's a great player, but he's from Greece. And he has a, a name that's hard to pronounce and a name that's hard to spell. I think Giannis is a big star to people who watch and follow basketball. To the casual fans... I don't think they've gravitated or really warmed up to him as of yet, but he's kind of on the fence. I don't know if Giannis is really a big star or not. Haven't seen him in too many commercials, but you definitely see more basketball and football players in commercials than you do baseball players. The only time you see baseball players in commercials is if they're doing a commercial for MLB Network, a baseball channel. If they're doing a commercial for something baseball-related, Bryce Harper was probably the only baseball player, and Fernando Tatis of the Padres are the only two baseball players I remember seeing in commercials for something that had nothing to do with baseball. 
Once again, football and basketball, you see LeBron in all kinds of commercials. Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers had those State Farm commercials. Steph Curry does a lot of commercials. Damian Lillard from Portland Trailblazers, he does a lot of commercials. I mean, these guys are known stars. Kyler Murray has a few commercials out there. Football and basketball players are bigger stars. Basketball, Baseball, I'm sorry, where, where's your star power at? Where are your recognizable name brand guys? I always tell people Mike Trout is the best player in baseball right now. But if Mike Trout were to walk into your job, to a bar that you were at, to a club you were at, anywhere, any public setting, if Mike Trout were, were to walk into it, nobody would recognize him. He'd have to walk around wearing a T-shirt that says, hello, my name is Mike Trout, or else nobody would recognize him. They would just look at him and say, who is that big-ass dude over there? Who's that big white motherfucker that just walked in? Besides that, no one knows who he is. And he plays in Los Angeles. He plays in the second biggest media market. Nobody knows who Mike Trout is. Part of that is his own personality. You can't fault you can't fault a guy for being true to his personality. He's not really the most outgoing guy out there. He doesn't seek a lot of attention. But at the same time, somebody got to sell the sport. Somebody has to sell baseball to the masses. Because back in the day, you had Bonds and Clemens and Griffey and Frank Thomas and Manny Ramirez and Ortiz and Pedro and Randy Johnson. You know, you had superstars. You had Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. You had guys with Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. You had guys who sold the sport. They did commercials. They did TV shows. They did movies. People knew who they were. People recognized them. Now you got a guy like Shohei Otani who is like the modern-day Babe Ruth. He can pitch and he can hit. And still, he also, he's a teammate of Mike Trout. He also plays in Los Angeles, and still no one knows who he is. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, they play for the Yankees. I wouldn't really consider either one of those guys to be big stars outside of baseball. Mookie Betts plays for the Dodgers, formerly of the Red Sox. Same thing, young guy, former league MVP. You can market him, but Major League Baseball doesn't. A flashy player, a guy with a lot of charisma, fun to watch, great at the plate, great defensive outfielder, a great all-around baseball player in Mookie Betts, and baseball doesn't really promote him or market him. And I'm baffled by it. I don't understand it. This is a sport that is declining in popularity. You can get a football conversation with almost anyone. Everyone watches the NFL. The Super Bowl, over 100 million people are guaranteed to watch no matter who plays in the Super Bowl. You had Cincinnati and Los Angeles this year, and it did well over 100 million people. Cincinnati is a small market. Last year, they won about, what, three or four games? They've sucked for the past decade for the most part. They came out of nowhere, had a great season, got all the way to the championship, to the Super Bowl, and they brought in over 100 million people. Now, that helps that they played against a team from Los Angeles, but that team doesn't really have a strong fan base. That team is not really entrenched within the fabric of Los Angeles sports. More people care about USC football than they do Los Angeles Rams football. They had their stadium taken over twice by the 49ers, a team from the California Bay Area, a nine-hour drive away, came in and infiltrated their stadium on two separate occasions. But still, when those two teams locked up in the Super Bowl, 
over 100 million people watched. The 49ers and the Cowboys wild card playoff game. Over 50 million people watched that game. 49ers and the Packers. Over 45 million people watched that game. Those numbers were pretty much consistent with how the entire NFL playoffs goes. Basketball is, is very popular. Big ratings on TV most of the time. And very much popular on social media. Baseball, no one cares about baseball on social media. No one cares about baseball, period, anymore. Unless they're a certain age. When I scroll down my timeline, I don't see or hear anyone talking baseball. They're locked out right now. They've been locked out since December 2nd. I don't see too much people posting about that. It's overall apathy about baseball being locked out. No one really cares. It's March right now. You got March Madness going on. College basketball, women's and men's. You got the NBA season coming to a climax throughout the entire month of March. You got the NFL Combine. Football season's technically over, but you got the Combine. Free agency, and next month is the draft, and then OTAs, and minicamp, and then training camp. Football season is all year long, but the Combine was like must-see television. And all it is is guys working out, guys running a 40-yard dash or doing a bench press or, or a vertical jump, a broad jump, running drills. It's not real football being played. It's just guys running drills. It's collegiate players trying to get evaluated to play in the NFL, to be drafted by professional football teams next month. But still, that was compelling television. I would take the NFL Combine 10 times out of 10 over that putrid, pathetic, garbage, woefully inept, piece-of-shit NBA dunk contest they had a few weeks ago. I would rather watch guys run a 40-yard dash or run drills or jump over shit or whatever the fuck they're doing than watch that sorry-ass dunk contest I would much rather, the NFL Combine is better than the NBA dunk contest and the, the Major League Baseball regular season. I'll just go ahead and say it. The NFL Combine has surpassed baseball regular season. That's how much of a juggernaut the NFL is right now. That's how much of a juggernaut football is right now. Not just the NFL, but college football too. It's major. It matters People are invested in this. They had fans. They had 10,000 fans. 10,000 people showed up to watch combine drills, to watch dudes in shorts run around and pretend to play football. 10,000 people showed up and watched this. Next month, you're going to start having spring games for the college football teams. These are just scrimmages and practices, and they're going to draw somewhere between 70 to 90 or 100,000 people on certain campuses in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, there's going to be about 85,000 people who show up to watch Alabama Crimson Tide football practice. Ohio State of Columbus, Ohio, same thing. About 85,000 people are going to show up and watch practice. LSU, Georgia, they're defending national champions. And boy, they showed out at the Combine over the weekend. That was dominated by the SEC and the Big Ten in particular. Georgia and Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, all these big-time schools that matter, Notre Dame, they can draw thousands of people, big numbers, to watch practice, the combine, spring games, and college football. The draft next month is going to get more interest than any regular season baseball game that could potentially be played in the month of April. Baseball is teetering on the brink of obscurity. It really doesn't matter right now. 
If there are no baseball games played in April, May, or June, three-fourths of the country isn't going to notice and really isn't going to care, which makes, which is one reason why this lockout is so ridiculous. It could have been avoided, number one. They've been locked out since December 2nd. They just started negotiating shit about two weeks ago. You already missed spring training. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, already came out and said the first two series of the 2022 season have been canceled. For the first time in 27 years, a labor dispute in Major League Baseball has caused the sport games and delayed opening day. Three months after they started a lockout, Commissioner Rob Manfred and the owners on Tuesday, last Tuesday, said they were canceling the first two series of the season after 5 p.m. Eastern time after the deadline passed on Tuesday without a deal. Negotiations have ended for the immediate future, and the sides are expected to leave Florida where they've bargained with each other for nine straight days. Major matters such as competitive balance tax thresholds, the CBT, the minimum salary, and the size of new pre-arbitration bonus pool left the sides with a significant distance to go entering Tuesday even after some productive talks last Monday. Shortly after Major League Baseball made its final offer Tuesday, a commissioner's office official accused the players of changing their tone while the union referred back to its stance from the night before that there were substantial hurdles to get to a new deal. The union had no change in its approach, the official said. This all according to The Athletic, by uh, a piece written by Evan Drellich of The Athletic, I should say. So what is really the meat and potatoes of this whole thing? Why is there a lockout in Major League Baseball? First of all, this was imposed by the owners. This is, a, this is not a strike as it was in 94. This is a lockout imposed by the owners. So an easy way to describe this is the, the CBT is basically the luxury tax. And what the owners want to do is implement a salary cap to curtail the rising salaries in baseball and keep them at a certain level. The players obviously don't want to do that. The players want to make more money, and rightfully so. The players are the reason why you tune in to watch a baseball game and a football game and a basketball game. The workers, the guys on the field or the court or the ice, the players are the reason why you watch sports. You don't watch just to see the uniforms. You don't watch just to see the stadiums. You don't watch just to see an old, crusty, curmudgeon owner sitting up in the owner's box watching the game himself. You watch to see the players. So I will always be on the side of the players. The players are the workers. This is your workforce. And as a worker myself, I'm always going to be on the side of the workers. I will never be on the side of the owners unless I was actually an owner myself, which I don't think I ever will be. But I'll never side with the people who are in charge of shit because 10 times out of 10, these are billionaires. They already have a lot of money. They're being cheap. They don't want to pay people. And a lot of fans will get mad at the players and saying, well, you guys are already making millions of dollars. And that's not the point. People want to get what they're owed. People want to make what they deserve. Put yourself in their shoes. If you were a ball player, if you were a major league baseball player, would you or would you not want to get all the money you could possibly get? Not everyone's guaranteed to have a long career. Some careers are longer than others. The average career is somewhere between three to six years. A lot of guys toil in mediocrity, toil in anonymity, playing minor league baseball. They finally get an opportunity to, to play in major league baseball, and they're only going to make but so much money. So why not try to get as much money as possible? 
at your job, wherever you work at in America, you want to make as much money as possible. So I'm not going to fault a baseball player or a football player or a basketball player, a hockey player, a boxer, an MMA fighter, a professional wrestler, whoever. I'm never going to fault someone for trying to make as much money as possible. I will always have an issue with the billionaires for being cheap and not wanting to pay people. Even though the reason why you're making the amount of money you're making is because of the people in uniform who people like myself, a fan, tunes in to watch. The Players Association is advocating for an increase in minimum salaries from $675,000 a year to $700,000 a year with an annual increase of $10,000 per year. They are also advocating for no change to the current CBT thresholds and an increase of $5 million on a pre-arbitration bonus pool from $25 million to $30 million. Another report came out this week, this also according to The Athletic, where four Major League Baseball owners, Bob Castellini of the Cincinnati Reds, Chris Illich of the, of the Detroit Tigers, Ken Kendrick of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Artie Moreno of the LA Angels of Anaheim, objected to raising the CBT to the levels the league ultimately proposed most recently, three people briefed on the owner-wide call held this week told The Athletic. Major League Baseball moved forward with the proposal anyway, moving its offer on the first threshold to $220 million, up $10 million from where it was in 2021 and $6 million from its previous offer, but still far below the player's ask of $238 million. The luxury tax rate of growth has not kept pace with overall revenue growth in the sport, making it one of the main concerns of the players. So, in other words, baseball is bringing in a lot of money. Most of that due in large part to TV contracts and things of that nature, but the money is not being dispensed back to the players. And rightfully so, if I was a player, like I just said, I would be pissed off about that. I'd be upset. We're the ones making the money. We want to keep and earn our money that we brought in. Now, owners of small market teams will use the excuse that they don't want to raise the CBT, the competitive balance tax or the luxury tax in plain terms. They don't want to raise this threshold because they feel like it's going to give bigger market teams, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the White Sox. It's going to give bigger market teams more advantage for them to sign the big name, high profile players and stack their roster with all-star caliber players and make it difficult for the small market teams to compete with those bigger market teams. The first thing I'll say about that is this. We've seen in baseball over the years that just because you spend a lot of money doesn't guarantee you a World Series championship. The Yankees spend more money than anyone else. They haven't won a championship since 2009. The Dodgers for a lot of years had the highest payroll. They finally broke through and won a championship in 2020 in a COVID-ridden season when the whole world was in shambles. Similar to the Lakers, must be an L.A. thing. But on the flip side, we've seen small market teams like the Kansas City Royals go, go to back-to-back World Series appearances and win the World Series in 2015. We saw the Tampa Bay Rays compete for a lot of years and win the AL East over the Yankees and the Red Sox, even though the Yankees and the Red Sox were spending a lot more money than them. We've seen small market teams compete and make the playoffs despite not having a whole lot of money to spend and vice versa. As I already said, we've seen bigger market teams overspend and still lose and not win the World Series. 
So I don't understand that point. And as far as the four owners who voted against increasing the CBT, uh, the Tigers, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, and the Angels, first of all, Artie Moreno, who owns the Angels, should be ashamed of himself. You own a team that plays in Los Angeles. You have money. You have resources. You just gave Mike Trout over $400 million. Don't cry, woe is me, that you can't compete with teams from quote-unquote bigger markets. You play in Los Angeles. What the fuck are you talking about? You have plenty of money. You just gave your best player and the best player in the sport over $400 million. You gave an aging, well past his prime, Albert Pujols, close to $200 million. A lot of money for a guy who played his best baseball about 5 or 10 years ago who's nowhere close to his prime. You're just throwing away money in Los Angeles. You have money. You have the resources. But you want to complain about raising the CBT, raising the luxury tax? Fuck off. The owner, you know, a team like Cincinnati, I can understand. They play in a small market. They don't really make a lot of money. They don't generate a lot of revenue. I can see why Cincinnati would be hesitant to raise the CBT, why they would be a little nervous about that because they don't feel like they can compete. Because when was the last time Cincinnati had a good baseball team? It's been a while. The Big Red Machine, the Nasty Boys in 1990, I don't know. But it's been a while since the Reds played in a, a league championship series. They've been garbage for a long time. But I would chalk that up to organization ineptitude more than anything else. Because as I already said, you can be a small market and still compete and still go to the playoffs and win your division and go far in the playoffs. Tampa proved that. Kansas City proved that. Baltimore a couple of years ago got to an LCS where they lost to Kansas City. You can compete playing in a small market. You don't have to be New York, L.A., Boston, or Chicago to win a World Series every year. A different team from a different market wins a World Series every year anyway. San Francisco won three championships. Boston won, has won four since 2004. St. Louis has won a couple of championships, and they compete on a yearly basis to go to a World Series and win it. Detroit got to a World Series uh, back in 06, I believe. The Texas Rangers, another small market team playing in Arlington, Texas, right outside of Dallas. They got to a World Series a couple of times. The Cleveland Indians, the Houston Astros, every year is like different teams for the most part go to and win the World Series. The Washington Nationals, the Atlanta Braves are defending World Series champion. These are not L.A. and Boston and Chicago and New York every year winning the World Series. Baseball is all about who can get hot, who has the best pitching, and that's pretty much it. If you get the Braves showed you that, the Braves proved that, proved that. If you get into the playoffs, as long as you get hot and you have good pitching and timely hitting, you can win a World Series. Baseball is a game more than any other game that's about slumps and who can avoid being in a slump. You can play for New York and get into a massive slump and go over 30 if you're a John Carlos Stanton or Aaron Judge or whoever, where you can't hit a fucking baseball to save your life. So for those four owners who voted against increasing the CBT, the four owners that were documented, that's been reported, it's probably other owners that also don't want to increase the CBT, the luxury tax, because they don't want to pay people because they're cheap, they're stingy. Shame on them, and they should go fuck themselves. To me, the owners, I don't think they even care about missing games in April. I don't think it matters too much to them. They lose money in April anyway. Nobody goes to baseball games in April. 
For the majority of the country, for New York, Chicago, Boston, Baltimore, Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, a lot of those East Coast cities, it's cold as shit outside. You ain't trying to go to a baseball game in April. You might go to opening day or the first series of the season. But once you get like to mid-April, two weeks after the season started, you ain't going to no baseball games in April. Nobody does that. The attendance is always down in April. Attendance doesn't really heat up in baseball till late March, early June. School is out. The weather's starting to heat up. It's getting warm all over the country. Now people want to go to baseball games. I love going to baseball games. I live in the Bay Area. I've been to plenty of Giants and A's games. That's one of the cool things about living in the Bay Area. One of the few cool things about living out here. You have access to two Major League Baseball teams. You can go to an A's game in a shitty, decrepit relic of a ballpark of a stadium, Coliseum, whatever the fuck it's called. Or you can go across the bay to San Francisco to Oracle Park. You can take the ferry boat between Jack, from Jack London Square in Oakland, California, hop on the ferry, go to the ferry building, and Embarcadero, downtown San Francisco, California, walk a couple of blocks up the street, and there you are at Oracle Park in San Francisco, California, home of the San Francisco Giants. It's nice. Going to the ballpark is awesome. But no one's trying to really go to the ballpark in April or May. It's June. It's the summertime. Baseball is a summertime sport. And that goes back to what I'm saying. Truthfully, internally, I just believe the owners don't really give a shit about missing games in April or May because they, they know they lose out on revenue anyway. They don't make a whole lot of money at the beginning of the season anyway. So to me, I don't think they care. The players obviously are going to care because they're losing money. They're losing game checks. And it's one thing if you're Bryce Harper or Mike Trout or someone at the top, someone who's making a lot of money. Mookie Betts got a fat contract from the Dodgers. If you're someone like that and you're making a lot of money, you can stand to lose a few game checks. Now, if you're that utility infielder who's the 25th man on the roster, you can't stand to lose a few checks. You need to play baseball. And the owners know that. They have leverage against the players. They know those fringe players, that utility infielder, that 25th man on the roster, they know eventually those guys are going to start losing game checks and start feeling the heat, and they might buckle. And they might start to either start to cave in or put pressure on their union reps to try to take a deal and facilitate getting back on the field. Some news that just came out today, uh, I'm recording this on Sunday, uh, five days after Commissioner Rob Manfred announced the cancellation of the first two series of the season, the two sides are still very much far apart on core economic issues, leading to the possibility that more canceled games could be on the way. The biggest move in Sunday's proposal from the players to the owners appeared to be outside of core economics. The players agreed, contingent upon other things, to an element of the game uh, was seeking regarding on field rule changes. The ability for the commissioner to put in a pitch clock, larger bases, or restrictions on the shift as early as the 2023 season. The Players Association also dropped its proposed starting point for a pre-arbitration bonus pool to $80 million, down from $85 million. Despite those changes, the league said the proposal was moving backwards. The league alleged that the Players Association said verbally in Florida last week that the players were in a different place on the pre-arbitration bonus pool than what they proposed on Sunday. Now, as far as the rules changes goes, and 
quality of game changes, implementing a 14-second pitch clock when the bases are empty or a 19-second pitch clock when runners are on base. I'm all for that. There's a lot of time being wasted in a baseball game. Um, This is 2022. We are in a short attention span microwave era of living. People got other shit going on. People got smartphones. People are going to be on social media, surfing the web, talking to someone, doing a TikTok video in the bottom of the fifth, whatever. People are not going to be intently tuned in to every single pitch of a baseball game as they would be 30 or 40 or 50 years ago and beyond. And a lot of the old timers don't want to see change in baseball. They want to see baseball remain the way it was growing up. Baseball is a game of purity. It's the oldest game in in North America, the oldest sport. The history of baseball goes back to the 1880s. And a lot of old timers, you know, they they didn't want to see the wild card get put in. They didn't want to see a designated hitter get put in in 1968. And they definitely don't want to see all these rules changes come in now. They they, they didn't want instant replay. A lot of old timers and, and the purists were against instant replay. They don't want any changes in baseball my, uh, my message to them would be to get with the times or get lost. Baseball is different now because the world is different now. Baseball has to adjust and catch up. You are falling behind in popularity. You are desperately falling behind. You're, I would say baseball is probably at best in fourth place as far as popularity, as far as major sports are concerned in this country. I would say NFL by leaps and bounds is obviously number one. I would say college football is number two, uh, especially in the South. I would say the NBA is third, and then you can probably say Major League Baseball is fourth, but you can make an argument for something else. I mean, on a good day, you could say UFC, MMA might be more popular than baseball, especially given who you're talking to. If you're talking to someone under the age of 40, they can tell you all about Kobe Covington or Jorge Masvidal or Usman or Ngannou or whoever. An MMA fighter. They can tell you about Logan Paul, a phony pretend boxer. They'll sit down and watch a Logan Paul fight. They ain't going to sit down and watch a Cincinnati Red Pittsburgh Pirate baseball game. That's not going to happen. That's where we're at in America right now. The average person would rather sit down and watch a farce of a boxing fight between a YouTube social media influencer masquerading as a boxer and phony set-up stage contrived bullshit fights against failed MMA fighters or washed-up basketball players. They would rather watch that than any regular season baseball game. So for the old-timers, for the geezers, for the purists out there who don't want baseball to change, I guess you don't want the sport to exist 15 or 20 years from now. Put in a pitch clock and whatever other rules you want to put in, I don't fucking care. Speed the game up and make the game more exciting as far as the shift is concerned, I mean, guys could just lay down a bunt. Baseball's gotten to a point right now where it's, it's either a, a strikeout or a home run. There's no in-between anymore. There's no stolen bases anymore. And because of the analytics and the sabermetrics and all that have been put into the game, you know, the, the nerdification of baseball has also ruined the sport. We have all this emphasis on station-to-station baseball and exit velocity and you know, the pitch counts have ruined baseball, too, where a starting pitcher gets, like, 85 pitches and he has to come out of the game. That sucks. That's hard to watch because now you have this endless parade, bullpen pitchers coming in, specialists to come face one batter, and then he's out. Commercial break. 
Bring in another bullpen specialist. He gets one guy out. Commercial break. Bring in another bullpen specialist. He gets a guy out. Commercial break. You got playoff games where baseball teams are starting with their bullpen. They're starting games with their bullpen. There's no starting pitchers anymore. And even if there is a starting pitcher, he might go one and a third, two innings, three innings, or whatever. If he gets in a jam in a playoff game with a runner on second base, score tied is zero. No runs have crossed the plate yet. But this guy might have runners on first and second, and the manager will take him out. If he's only thrown about 45 pitches, I understand from a strategic point. I understand why you do it, but it slows the game down, and it's boring, and it's hard to watch, and it sucks, and it ruins the sport. And going back to the analytics part, that alienates a lot of people. That alienates a lot of the purists as well, and I'm, I'm kind of with them on that one. I don't want to hear people talking about exit velocity or launch angles or whatever the fuck. Is this a baseball game or a fucking geometry class? What are we talking about right now? Baseball has always been a game predicated more than any other sport on stats and numbers. The numbers in baseball mean more in baseball than they do other sports. But to me, that applies more so to the basic numbers that fans understand. Home runs, doubles, singles, hits, batting average, RBIs, earned run average, strikeouts, base on balls. You know, the basic simple things. Now you're talking about war and wins above replacement and shit like that and whip and everything else. The average person doesn't understand that. They don't digest that. That makes no sense to them. And when all of that is done, when all the over-dependence on analytics is done, has taken baseball to a point where it's, like I said, all or nothing, strikeouts or home runs, and you combine that with the over-reliance and over-dependence on bullpen specialists and pitching changes and low pitch counts and pitchers being taken out after 30 or 40 pitches because they got a man on third base with a score tied at one in the bottom of the fourth. What you have now is long-ass games that take forever to complete and hardly any action going on during the game. Nobody's trying to steal a base. No one's laying down a bunt. It's either a home run or a strikeout and about 48 pitching changes, and it takes for fucking ever. And people who love baseball and support baseball no matter what and don't want to see any, any change in baseball, they will counter everything I just said by saying, well, Baseball is a thinking man sport. Baseball is about strategy. Well, first of all, every sport, football, basketball, hockey, MMA, boxing, whatever, has strategy within the game as well. They also have more action. There's also more shit going on. There's plenty of strategy in a football game. Plenty of it. There's plenty of nuance and subtlety to break down in football and basketball. There's also more action. It's also faster pace. There's also bigger superstars, larger-than-life, charismatic players in the sport. Baseball doesn't have any of that. Baseball doesn't have any larger-than-life, charismatic players, and it's slow, and it takes for fucking ever. Baseball, on some levels, is kind of like professional wrestling. It was better when everyone was on cocaine and steroids. You know, baseball needs a guy like Lenny Dykstra. A guy playing baseball, coked out of his fucking mind, got a whole mouthful of tobacco. You know, he got a couple of court cases pending. You know, he's cheating on his wife. His wife trying to divorce him or whatever. Like, he got some, some shit going on off the field. And a fun, cool-ass player to watch on the field, too. Baseball was a lot better and a lot more popular when everyone was coked out and on steroids. I hate to say it. Actually, I don't hate to say it because it's true. 
It's true. It's damn true. In the words of Kurt Angle, when everyone was coked out and on steroids, more people were watching baseball. And once again, I bring it back to the baseball purists. They complain about steroids. They vote against people like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds from being in the Hall of Fame, which to me is hypocritical bullshit. Major League Baseball, the last time they had a work stoppage, needed the steroid era to bring fans back to the ballpark and make money and be relevant again. The first thing that brought people back to the ballpark was Cal Ripken trying to break the consecutive game played streak held by Lou Gehrig. That was the first thing that brought people back. The second thing that brought people back was the home run chase in 98 with Sosa and McGuire, two guys who were obviously on steroids. Two guys, humongous, giant, massive individuals, crushing baseballs 400, 450, 500, 550 feet, going opposite field 400 feet, knocking the ball literally out the stadium. This got people back into the game, though. It was compelling. It was fascinating. It was fun to watch. People were invested. They gave a shit. When was the last time the mass public gave a shit about baseball? And now you have this work stoppage, this lockout. You're on the verge of pissing off your already dwindling fan base. Baseball is at a point. It's so unpopular. People get mad at me for watching baseball. I've dealt with this for over a decade, for years now. I tell people about baseball or I sit down and watch a baseball game and people are like, ugh. Like, there's all kinds of hate and vitriol and disdain. What the fuck are you watching that shit for? Turn that shit off, man. Baseball's boring. It sucks. Put something else on. I go back to my Navy days. You know, I'm on the ship. I'm on deployment out somewhere in the Asian South Pacific. I've been up on the flight deck for about eight hours. I come down from the flight deck, back to the work center, take off all my gear, sit down, try to watch TV. I put on AFN Sports. When, well, when you're in the military, on deployment, uh, you have limited channels you can watch. And what you, when you're going to watch TV, you're watching TV through the AFN Armed Forces Network or American Forces Network, whatever the fuck it stands for. But you're watching AFN. And AFN only has a limited amount of channels, about seven or eight real channels. You have a couple of movie channels, and then you have like AFN Extra, AFN Entertainment, AFN News, and then AFN Sports and like AFN Music or whatever. So... What these channels do is they consolidate multiple American channels and American television into one particular genre or category. So for the AFN sports, it's kind of going to be all over the place. You're going to get ESPN, Fox Sportsnet, NFL Network, NBA TV, MLB Network. You might get a football game on, followed by a basketball game, and then a baseball game. It's not just going to be one particular channel. Uh, for example, you might watch Around the Horn, Pardon the Interruption, and then Sports Center will come on, and then right after that, you get like a regional Fox Sportsnet baseball game of like Kansas City versus Colorado, the Rockies and the Royals, something like that. You might get Tampa, you might get the Rays and the Blue Jays, Tampa and Toronto. There's some random-ass baseball game followed by a random-ass football game or a basketball game so you might get like NFL total access coming on after that Tampa and Toronto baseball game then your regional Fox Sports coverage of uh, Indiana Pacers Sacramento King basketball game just random ass as my grandmother would call it a hodgepodge of shit there's all kinds of random ass games and sporting shows and events 
on this one particular channel. So you kind of got to take whatever you can get. It's not like you can just pick and choose what you want to watch. You also have the time zone difference you got to deal with. The big games like the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, World Series, that will come on. That's always going to be shown, but it's only going to be shown at a particular time of the day. But for the most part, it's just going to be random games and random TV shows. Whatever fits into the sports category is going to be shown on AFM. So if one day I'm on the ship, come down from the flight deck, all the gear taken off, etc. I'm trying to watch a baseball game. I just turn on the TV, turn on AFM Sports. They had a baseball game on. I think it was the Mets and the Brewers, Some two random teams playing. I don't even care about the Mets or the Brewers. I just want to watch a baseball game. I just want to see some type of sports. On deployment, it's hard. You got to share everything with everyone. TV, living space, and unfortunately, bathrooms all got to be shared with everyone on board the ship, 5,000 other people. We all have to coexist and try to do our best to live with each other out there in the middle of nowhere. I'm in my work center. I'm trying to watch this baseball game with some douchebag, some cocksucker, some jackass, some degenerate, some miscreant, some vagrant, some low-life piece of shit in my workstation who shall remain nameless. Uh, we'll just call him douchebag from Wisconsin, comes into the shop and says, Gordon, what the fuck you doing? Why are you watching baseball, man? Baseball sucks. Put a movie on. This shit's trash, bro. I don't want to watch baseball. And I looked at him. I said, I don't care what you want to watch. If you don't want to watch it, then leave. Go somewhere else. Do what you want to do. I'm just going to watch. Just let me get five minutes of this. Just let me watch five minutes of this game. And he wouldn't let me do it. He kept talking and complaining and bitching and moaning to the point where I, 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 just, I just gave up. I said, finally, fuck it. I'll put something else on. I'll put a movie on. We'll watch Toy Story 3 or Mission Impossible 3 or another Tyler Perry movie. Medea goes to Medea's funeral. Medea goes to church. Medea goes to the OBGYN. I don't give a fuck. We'll watch something else because I don't want to hear you bitch and complain about this baseball game I'm watching. That's the level that baseball is on right now. People dislike or don't care or are so apathetic towards baseball, they get mad when you're watching baseball in their presence. The sport has a problem, a PR problem. You don't appeal to people under the age of 40. You don't appeal to black people anymore. Brothers, brothers really ain't watching baseball anymore. Try to talk to a brother about baseball. See how far you get in that conversation. Brothers are watching football. Brothers are definitely watching basketball. Brothers are watching boxing. Brothers ain't watching baseball no more. For the most part, brothers really ain't playing baseball anymore. Every year on April 15th, Major League Baseball, and rightfully so, will commemorate the anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, the first black man to play Major League Baseball, to integrate the sport. Then you watch the game and it's like, well, where are the people on the field who look like Jackie Robinson? Now, it might be a Dominican dude. It might be some, a Latino player who has dark skin who looks like Jackie Robinson. But there really ain't too many American-born black players playing Major League Baseball anymore. That's another problem. Baseball has an issue with connecting with younger folks and connecting with young black folks because Baseball is not an easy sport to pick up and play as a kid. You can play basketball anytime you want, any place you want. All you need is one basketball. You don't even need a second person to play basketball. 
You can play, you can pick up a ball, go to any court in America, there's courts everywhere, high school gym, outdoor court, whatever, and just shoot around or, or dribble a basketball by yourself. You can play football. I did it all the time growing up. Two on two, three on three, four on four. You can get some a couple of friends together and go play football. Or you can play one on you can play one on one football with one guy being the all time quarterback. Did that plenty of times growing up. Baseball, you need like eighteen fucking people to play baseball. Like it's difficult. We as kids, we tried playing like three on three, four on four baseball. You got motherfuckers running like a hundred yards to catch a fly ball. You're going to be out there playing forever. It's difficult. You need a lot of people, you a lot of equipment to play baseball, a lot of money basically because you got to buy all that equipment. You need bats and gloves and, and protective gear for the catchers if you want to play more advanced baseball. Playing travel league baseball is a big deal nowadays. Most poor black families can't afford to put their kids in travel baseball anymore. Football and basketball, that's more accessible. That's more affordable. And that's why that's one reason why you see more black people playing football and basketball as opposed to baseball. Baseball has a lot of issues, a litany of problems. I say all that to say this. They better not further botch this whole labor dispute. They better get this right. They better come to some resolution sometime in the near future. You fuck around and lose half a season or worst case scenario. And I don't want to see this happen. But you lose the entire 2022 season, who knows if baseball can recover from that? Who knows how baseball even tries to recover from that? You're sinking in popularity as it is, and you go ahead and take a full year off with all these other options, entertainment options for people to occupy their time with in this fast-paced world, in this microwave, short-attention span society that we live in. Where, where people will watch TikTok videos all day, listen to mumble rap, they'll watch clips instead of watching an entire game. Even for sports that they like, for a football and basketball game, you got people out there who only watch the highlights anyway, as it is. A couple of clips here and there, the average person ain't going to sit down and watch three, four, five hours of a baseball game. Don't let it go to extra innings. I'm the kind of guy, I remember a game years ago, Atlanta versus Houston, I want to say 2000, 2001. This game went 18 innings. I watched every pitch. It was like two baseball games in one, but I'm different. I'm a nerd, and I'm a baseball fan. The average person can't even be bothered to watch two or three innings of a baseball game, let alone 18. They got to figure this out. You cannot continue to fuck this up even worse. And from a public perception standpoint, it looks bad because the average person, the, the average Joe, the casual fan, or even a hardcore fan is looking at the situation and saying, this is billionaires versus millionaires arguing about who gets more money. The average person is trying to figure out a way to put gas in their car with the ever-rising astronomical prices for gas. You got to take out a fucking loan from the bank to fill up your car nowadays. You got to rob somebody. You got to take your kid's college fund to fill up your Ford Fiesta nowadays. People are broke. People need money for their own personal way of life just to try to survive out here. Just trying to go to a baseball game, taking a family of four. I wouldn't know about this, but people tell me. Just trying to take a family of four to a baseball game is a pain in the ass and damn near impossible. 
That's a, baseball's got a lot of issues. It costs too much money to even go to a game for the average person, especially a family of four. So you have the, all this going on and this labor stoppage, this lockout right now. You're at risk of being completely irrelevant. You've already been passed by by a number of sports. You might fade. You might be on ESPN the Ocho in a couple of years alongside cow tipping and cornhole competitions. Game five of the World Series followed by the world's fastest electrician and who can bag groceries in less than five minutes. The world's fastest grocery bagger, whatever the fuck. You're in danger. You're in risk, baseball. Don't be, stop being arrogant and stop being cocky. Stop thinking that, oh, the fans will just come back anyway the same way they did after 94. That was different. You had a home run chase. You had a consecutive game chase by a beloved player. You ain't got that now. You don't have that anymore. You don't have anything. You have no leverage with the fans. You have, even a, you have a diminishing amount of goodwill amongst the fans. Do not fuck this up. Or maybe it's too late for that because you're already in the middle. You're already in the process of fucking it up. Do not fuck it up any further. Do not lose an entire season because if you do, you will lose your entire fan base almost. The old guys... 50 and 60 and up, it's already been ingrained within them to watch baseball no matter what. They'll come back. But the younger generation, my generation, I'm 36, people my age or somewhere close to that age, we might not come back. And you run the risk of losing that generation and losing a lot of fans that you already lost to begin with. It's sad to say, it hurts me to say it, I'm a baseball fan. I don't like seeing baseball down like this. But it's reality at the end of the day. You've got to figure this out. Resolve this lockout, get the players back on the field, speed up the game, put more action in baseball, get rid of the shift, put more of an emphasis on bunts and stealing bases and making contact with the baseball, promote and market your best players, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. Put them at the forefront. Figure out a marketing and ad campaign to sell these guys to the public, to increase these guys' profile, to make these guys more visible. Sell your sport. And if need be, as a last resort, let these guys do as much cocaine and steroids as humanly possible. Let them all be the 86 Mets. Who cares? We got a sport to sell. We got a sport to resuscitate. We got to get this shit back on point and make baseball relevant again. You know, Donald J. Trump once said, make America great again. I'm not sure when America ever was great, but we can definitely figure out a way to make baseball great again. Put that on the hat. Put that on a T-shirt. Make that, make that your ad campaign. Make that your slogan going forward. Make baseball great again. Do something, but definitely do not lose the entire 2022 season. Start with that first. So with all that being said, we've once again come to the end, to the conclusion of this episode of the Dion Gordon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, eternally grateful, always humble, very much appreciative. Picture me rolling. I'm out.